Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tiny Reminders podcast, where we learn big lessons from small voices. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Ward-Lupinacci. Our episode today is one I've been so excited to record and share with you for a lot of reasons, one of them being that our guest for today was one of the major inspirations for creating this podcast in the first place, which you'll hear me talk more about in the beginning of the interview. If you've listened to our other episodes, you know our mission here is to create a safe and empowering space for kids and youth to share their stories, communicate their ideas, and express themselves about the things that feel important for them. You also know that all of these stories and conversations come our way through a process of sharing and relationship building between myself and the guest. This is never just a one-time sit-down-and-tell-me-everything situation. We build to what you hear. But another piece of this uh, is that I'm often meeting these kids through other incredible people in my network. So today, I want to send some love and gratitude out to those people who've introduced me to some of our guests and trusted me to help them share their stories. Today in particular, I want to say a special thank you to the school counselor you'll hear our guest Noah talk about in the interview. This is a person who is a mentor to many professionals, myself included, and an advocate for so many children. Her work is just invaluable, and I hope if you are a person who works with kids in some capacity, you'll see yourself and your importance reflected in the ways Noah describes his experience with her and with the other supportive teachers and school staff that impact his story. You are the safe place for so many kids, and what you do really does matter. Before we get to our interview with Noah, I want to provide just a small amount of explanation about some terms. This is an episode primarily about gender identity, and this is undoubtedly an area that many of us are still learning and growing into understanding in deep and complex ways. I just want to clarify some terms right away as a reminder for anyone who might need them. When we talk about sex and gender, there are really some clear distinctions that need to be made. Sex includes the biological and genetic markers that indicate whether a person is male or female. This includes things like anatomy, hormones, even bone structure. Gender is what we're assigned at birth based on our sex, but enforced by social expectation and norms of being either a boy or a girl. Gender identity then is the way we develop and come to know ourselves based on which gender we most closely relate to. Keep in mind that not all of us identify as either or only female or male. Terms like non-binary, genderqueer, or gender fluid are used to describe this. Sexuality is about who you are physically and emotionally attracted to. And you'll hear all of these things come up in Noah's story as he tells it today. And as you listen to Noah's story, I hope you'll take some time to really sit with it, to really hear him shift from shaking an emotional voice to light laughter as he jokes about making it weird, as he says. I hope that you will remember that Noah and so many kids like him need as much support and love and protection as we can give them. I hope you'll decide today and you'll recommit today with urgency and compassion to being a safe place and an advocate for the LGBTQ community and kids in particular. Thanks for joining us here today, everybody. We have a really um, special and important guest today. Uh, that I have really been excited to sit down with. Um, would you 
mind just introducing yourself to us today and maybe tell us a little bit about who you are and um, and what you want to talk about today? Hi, so I'm Noah. Uh, I'm 13. I'm in middle school. And since I was early young, I've been kind of thinking about my gender identity. And it started in very subtle ways that maybe you wouldn't actually expect, but it's just been part of my life. And I wanted to talk about that today. Perfect. Okay. We're so glad that you're here. And I have to tell you, I don't even know if I've told you this yet, but you actually are uh, one of like the biggest inspirations for this podcast in general. Um, So when we met, um, I don't know, when was a couple years ago, last year, a couple years ago? Yeah, I think. Yeah, I have no a year concept. And a half ago or something. Yeah, I have no concept of time right now. So, yeah. yeah. So when we met and and sat down together and and you told me some of your story and um and a lot of it was in the context of school. Um, when we met and you were you were telling me these things about like how you had been in this process and uh, this like learning process and sharing and your voice was so powerful and strong and the way that you communicated your experiences I I just kept thinking as we were talking like there has got to be a way for you specifically to tell more people your story um and I had it in my head like from like the minute that like the minute I left like from meeting you the first time I just had that in my head and then it occurred to me, I think I was teaching, um, and I was teaching about gender and gender, gender identity. And I had a student in one of my uh, classes at Eastern, I had a student, uh, who was really, uh, like resistant to trying to understand, um, experiences of, of, of transgender identity and, and, and just kept like really digging in. And I just kept thinking like, if I could have somebody like Noah here to just talk, right? Just to tell your story, to just like share experience. I know that this student's mind perception would change and it occurred to me how important that would be. And so it really wasn't long after that that I was like, oh, a podcast, okay. Cause then <laughs> like- you can tell your story. Other kids who have really important stories can tell them and, and like, I can use it in my class. Like, I don't have to ask you to, to like, you know, be on the phone every time I have an, an experience with a student (laughs) where I need you to talk to them. Um, so yeah, so I just need you to know that like part of the reason, probably the biggest reason this podcast even happens is because, um, because of you and meeting you. So no pressure. (laughs) <laughs> thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um, wow. Thank you. Yeah. So, okay. So we'll just sort of get into things and, and talk through some of your experiences and the things that, um, that I know that you have like just so much to share. Um, yeah. Yeah. So do you, do you have a starting point? Do you have some place where you want to sort of start I, I'm, I feel like I'm going to use this word journey a lot and I absolutely cannot stand when people say that. <laughs> and yet I find myself doing it all the time. Okay. But like in this case, like, do you, you, the things that you have been through are a bit of like a journey, right? So do you have, um, a starting point where you like to sort of start talking about 
um, coming to know yourself and express your identity and things like that? I should probably start by going back to when I was quite a bit younger. That's usually where you begin when people tell you about their experience with gender identity. And mine was actually quite a bit different. It's not like your typical, I wanted to be a boy since day one. I, I know this. I, I, I made you give me a dinosaur toy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually quite into wearing dresses and stuff like that. Um, I don't think I was ever like super into the idea of being a girl in general. I just didn't mind stuff like that. So it wasn't quite as clear to my parents that there was something a bit different. Right. Um, as I got older, though, I started tossing around certain ideas about why I felt the way I did. Mm-hmm. And I just had this feeling inside that there was something different about me. And I felt really uncomfortable in a lot of social situations and like in PE classes where we'd be grouped with the girls and grouped with the boys. I didn't really quite like that. Yeah. I don't even agree with that in general, but so. Um, I second that. I don't either. We're all about like finding practices that are inclusive. Um, and that's not one of them. Just so Yeah. <laughs> I think they're kind of starting to move away from that in certain schools, but definitely where I went to school, like originally, yeah. um, before I met you, I like, I don't know. We were still doing that stuff. It was kind of weird. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I know that we'll, we will like dive pretty deep into the school stuff, uh, as we talk, but I think there are, there are so many practices in schools that are just taken as like common, um, that really do isolate people based on gender and, um, gender expression and, and perceived gender identity and all of those things. So I I think we definitely need to have that conversation because, uh, and especially here, because a lot of people who listen to the podcast are teachers. Um, and so it's really good for, for people to kind of understand that experience and, and what it feels like to live that, uh, that kind of exclusion, because it so often just seems like, Oh no, this is just what we do. Like, why, why would we question it? It's, it's fine. Um, yeah, definitely. You know? So we'll, we will continue to talk about that. I think that's going to be a really important piece. Um, that, yeah, go ahead. That's, that's definitely like a very weird thing that I've experienced. Um, going from being perceived male to being perceived as male. Yeah. It's just a very different social experience and how people view you and just the energy you get when you're around people is very, like, just a drastic change. Oh, that's so interesting. That's a really interesting part of this is that, like, you can, you feel different energy from the way that people are perceiving your gender? Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, can you tell me more? Yeah, so basically... Being a girl, like, you know, people just naturally, people are sexist. That's just how people are. Um, definitely wasn't as much like that when I was super young, but there was, like, obviously divisions that were just there that we were all used to. Um, but when I was perceived as female from everybody, it was just people could make fun of me or people would not want to talk to me as much just, like, because of the fact that I was a girl. Like, I wouldn't be in 
the hyper masculine like bro dude groups you know what i mean yeah <laughs> um and i think it's kind of hard to 100% like give commentary on that cuz i was already like uncom- uncomfortable in my body but definitely just like transitioning into being perceived as male everybody else has been very weird more people will seem to trust your opinions and that's like uncomfortable to think about honestly right people seem to like think that you're serious more it's kind of weird wow that like the embodiment of of the experience of that is uh gotta be like really intense and even the way you're describing it like to be able to and that that's something we probably need to to really unpack also is to be able to think about what gender really means in terms of power and and your perceived power and your position and all of those things um that is fascinating i think we'll i think we'll make space to go into that more deeply too cuz that's a really Im- important and and powerful part of this story um yeah it's definitely something that i find I find myself thinking a lot about yeah, I bet. out of everything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the complications just for you personally, right. That come along with that have got to be like, you're, you're, you talked a little bit earlier before we started recording about like um, some anxiety issues that will probably get brought up at some point during our conversation. And yeah, I just already brought them up. Um, <laughs> but, but if we think about that, like complication and complexity and tension that you're probably always experiencing in these kinds of really deep ways uh yeah of course there's going to be some anxiety right like yeah and there's definitely a lot of darker aspects to it um and I don't know like how much we'll talk about that I'm very fine with talking about that yeah um I I don't mind at all (laughs) okay great I think that that you sharing some of that is going to be so important for other kids to hear um and so important for for the adults who listen to to really start to have a, a a deep understanding of what this experience is like for kids. Um, yeah, on all and kinds of levels. Yeah, and it's quite scary, honestly. You can't look at somebody and see how they feel about you and how you're expressing yourself. Which I basically like, can't control. This, I mean, I technically could, but it would make me it would basically it would put me at risk basically which I don't like saying that but it's just it wouldn't be good for me it would be really unhealthy right well that's such a big part of this this story of yours also is that you are at risk and like I don't like saying it either and you don't like saying it but but even in just that small statement that you just made I mean you didn't even go into details right but like there's so much within that that like if you express yourself a particular way you're at risk publicly probably on all in all kinds of ways or at least it feels like you are if you if you decide not to right like if you like you're saying control it which in itself like that language is so damaging right like like it just makes like it makes my whole body sort of like like clinch up when I think about you like trying to control um how you express your identity. So if you try to control it, then you're at risk 
within your own body and your own mind and heart and emotional self. Right. So, um, the intensity of that, like, I don't want us to like shy away from, from going pretty deeply into that because I think it's, it's really important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So, so I have notes. I want to go back to all of that. Can we, um, can we sort of walk backwards into, um, you know, you, you mentioned feeling like you were different. Can you explain that a little bit and, and maybe when you started to, to feel different than different than what different than what people expected different than other kids? What do you think? Yeah, definitely. So it's kind of a lot to explain at one time because it's no simple thing to describe. Like it's, it's not, um, I think I started experiencing like these feelings probably in elementary school, like early-ish elementary school. I remember one experience specifically. I was driving home from school and my mom had picked me up and I was just thinking and I was looking out the window. It was pretty dramatic, (laughs) but, um, and I was just, I just kind of said to her, I really wish I was a boy. I wish I could hang out with the boys and just like be like them. And I didn't, I didn't know like that, that was like an option. (laughs) Um, but it just like was this pressing thing that was in my brain. And I was just always thinking about it. And it just like made me uncomfortable to think that I was in the position I was. So the position of, of being born a girl. Yeah. Right. And, and meeting the expectations that come along with that. Can you tell me a little bit about those expectations? Like what it was like for you when you were being identified as a girl? Yeah. So, um, it was just, there was just weird pressure even when I was younger to act feminine which is weird, like, especially from, like, grandparents. My grandpa specifically has, like, a very big importance to, like, gender roles. And, you know, it's just expected. That's the generation he's from. He's, like, in his 70s. So, you know, it's expected. Um, And he would just... He was, like, weirdly into gender roles. It it was just part of my life always. My grandma, she's gotten better over time. That's, like, a whole other conversation. but she was, she said some weird stuff. I think she tried to make me feel better by saying it, but she'd say like, oh, you're so curvy. You're so skinny. Um, and I didn't like that. It made me feel weird. Right. How old were and you? Do you remember how old you might've been when you were hearing comments like that? Probably like just like mid elementary school is probably when it started, but okay. my grandparents have always been pretty obsessive with, girly things and it was not fun I hated it I just tried to kind of ignore it and not think about it yeah and I didn't know why I hated it but I just did just didn't feel right to you right like yeah it just felt like I was meant to be something else which kind of was right right and you but you didn't have like you said like I didn't know that was an option not to be a girl and how would you know right 
yeah, it's not talked about in the education system at all, which I mean, a lot of people still are not accepting at all. So they probably could not implement it in that much, but there's like, it's just not talked about. It's shunned basically. Right. Right. And, or just like, I wonder a little bit as you're talking about your grandparents, if they were that way with like, I'm assuming that, that you have other, like you have cousins or, or siblings or something. So. Um, yeah, I have two cousins. Okay. So I, I just wonder if, if they did the same sort of like gender role expectation thing as intensely as they did with you, or do you think that they, they felt like they needed to compensate or overcompensate with you? I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah. Um, I definitely started having like weird thoughts and stuff at some points, but I'm not sure if they just like kind of blew off. It's yeah. like just want to be like in this bigger group. I mean, I, don't yeah. Know. Yeah. I mean, that has more power, honestly, but I probably didn't think of it that way at the time. Right. Um, I'm sure with um, my family members that are a bit younger currently, they probably do want them to be very male. They're both male um, physically. I don't know. That might change. Um, You never know. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yes. And basically most of my family, except for like my parents, mostly like they want them to be very like, oh, football you know, stuff like that. Okay. Um, they want them to be very masculine as they grow up and they want them to be like, you know, they're little boys. Yeah. So with you, okay. So this part of the story is really interesting because with you, what were, I'm, I'm so curious to know, um, because they were so your, your family, it sounds like around you, um, were, were pretty like, connected to traditional gender roles what were some of the things that you were expected to do or like or participate in um as a girl um I remembered like I think for me it's not probably as intense as for some people like with my immediate family like my mom and my dad but I was constantly with my grandparents so it was just like where I was all the time I loved them which was good yeah <laughs> um, yes but like they it was just like my grandma would always buy me clothes from this one shop. I think it's closed now, I don't know. But they're always super girly, like skirts, like I don't know, stuff like that. They always had like glittery cats on them and stuff, which, you know. I don't know how much I mind minded at the time, but is that a word? I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's good. How much you mind yeah, yeah, that sounds good. Um, over time my feelings with that got worse, but initially it wasn't that bad, but slowly I would kind of start to push those things away and didn't really want to be associated with them. And plus like they'd always expect me to want to play with like dolls, Hello Kitty stuff. Um, my grandparents, like for my grandpa at least still has like old photos of me in his household and like my old name and stuff, like, and stuff I would used to play with. So, I don't know. I think that's like very key to them for some reason. Yeah, they were really, I mean, you know, you and I, I think the first time we talked, we talked about some of this too, that, that it, it's okay that people are really connected and, and really feel strongly about some of that ritual around what we understand as like being a particular gender. It's, 
it's so ingrained in us. And unless you've done really intentional work to unlearn some of that and to expand your understandings of, of gender expression and identity a little more, I, I think that, that, it's probably really hard not to like buy the sparkly kitty shirt and, you know, and, and have buy the like pink toys and go down the pink aisle when you're shopping for, um, little girls or who you perceive to be little girls. Right. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think we just like expect, well, that'll make them happy. That's what they're going to like. That's just like, how it is, which in reality, I don't think they would care that much until like they got older and saw what other people were doing. But like, we just kind of expect that that's what's right for them. Right. Yeah. And you're, and you're describing people who really love you. Um, yeah. And they want to make you happy. And so then the, the issue is like, at what point though, like, can we start to not just project like what, what we think gender roles are and maybe opened up to asking questions um, because you're, you're describing things that like now you're, you're describing them as like, no, of course, like your grandparents weren't trying to hurt you. Um, but do you think that any of that did any harm? Yeah, I think, I don't, I think it kind of was just painful to have all these things that just made me very blatantly uncomfortable and have like phrases said to me that were just like, honestly weird. <laughs> um, yeah. Can you think of any other examples of that? Cause I think language is so important. Yeah. Um, my grandma specifically, was just very obsessed with saying like, Oh, you look so cute. You're this and that, which I guess that could be attributed to boys too, but. I wonder Jeez. if it is though, right? Like I wonder if, because you're describing it now um, in ways that are very familiar to me too, like always hearing about your appearance, right? And earlier you said curvy, like, or yeah. or thin, right? So I think girls, and I, I, I don't imagine, and in my experience, I haven't heard a lot of, like we might say little boys are cute, right? Um, but I don't think that we comment on their bodies. Usually. No. No anything we just say oh you're my handsome little man right, <laughs> right exactly um yeah so I think there is um and there's research that shows too that that the language we use with girls is more appearance based um and yeah and you were experiencing that and and you're e expressing now that like it was causing you discomfort you didn't know why but it it felt uncomfortable yeah, and I think going forward a little bit to, like, late elementary school, the elementary school I went to um, until third grade, I think, was not, it was very conservative. The people I knew there were all, like, hyper-religious, which is fine, but, like, the kind of people that take religion and turn it into something hateful. Yeah. At least their parents were. It's not their fault, but... um. And the only instances I heard terms that were, like, in the, this community area were, like, hearing lesbian and the word gay used in, like, a rude, bad way. Right. Um, and I had only heard of very stereotypical situations of those, like, labels. Yeah, yeah. 
And eventually I kind of just assumed that I was a lesbian because the only place I had seen what a lesbian, like a lesbian portrayed was like super butch, super like manly Mm -hmm. pixie cut, you know? So it's just like, okay, I'm a lesbian. And so I decided to try to force myself to have a crush on my friend, which didn't go well. Um, (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. Wait, I don't know this part of the story. Okay. So can we talk about that more? Yeah. Okay. So you, what, this is like really such an important part. So you, the only thing that you like knew to identify with, because that's the only representation you were seeing that was sort of different than these like traditional gender roles was um, like someone who was female, born female and uh, looked more masculine so must have been a lesbian yeah and i just thought oh they that i feel more comfortable dressing like that and it like made me happier so i just assumed oh i'm a lesbian right right of course like that's representation matters so much and if that's what the the option that you're seeing then you you know we're we have this like it's part of our culture, our ideology to sort of categorize, right. To like sort ourselves into different kinds of groups. And so if that's the group you see that most closely like that you identify with, then yeah, you're going to try to like take on those characteristics and you're describing so beautifully this, this like difference between like gender and sexuality. Right. Yeah. So, so, yeah, oh, tell me sorry. more about that. Yeah, no, this is great. Tell me more about that. So I kind of continued with that label for a good few years. Um, I just, that was what I was. I didn't really talk about it ever. I kind of referenced it, but that's not like what I was actually referencing. I was just talking about my dysphoria. Oh, we haven't talked about that yet. No, we Oops. haven't. Yeah, <laughs> we have so many things to talk about. Um, I should probably do a rundown of that. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to go, do you want to back up to that? Okay. Yeah, so just, I'm probably going to use the word dysphoria a lot, okay. um, and specifically gender dysphoria is, like, what I deal with. Um, I, I've i thought about how to explain this to other people for so long, and I've had so many hard situations trying to explain it, but the way it's, like, described most is just feeling like you're born in the wrong body, which, you know, that's how it feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's something damaging. It's painful. Like, <laughs> sorry. No, you're good. Um, it's something that is just in your brain 24-7. You're thinking about, am I not this? You look at yourself and it feels incorrect. It, it, it can kind of ruin my day sometimes, like, completely, actually. Yeah. Still? Yeah. Um, And I think, like, you have to learn ways to cope with that. And there are options over time to deal with that. Yeah. Which I don't know how I feel about some of those options because, like, there's things like taking testosterone shots, which feels weird because, like, the limit recommended is pretty old when, like, you have to wait to go through puberty for a really long time, basically. That's a whole nother thing. Right. <laughs> I don't I know, know if I wanted to say that. That was hard to explain. There's just too much to that. I'll step in for just a second here to help with some of this explanation. 
Noah is describing gender dysphoria, which is defined by the American Psychiatric Association as a conflict between a person's physical or assigned gender and the gender with which he, she, they identify. People with gender dysphoria may be very uncomfortable with the gender they were assigned, sometimes described as being uncomfortable with their body or being uncomfortable with expected roles of their assigned gender. Uh, Still from the APA, people with gender dysphoria may often experience significant distress and or problems functioning associated with this conflict between the way they feel and think of themselves and their physical or assigned gender. The APA goes on to say, some children express feelings and behaviors relating to gender dysphoria at four years old or younger. Many may not express feelings and behaviors until puberty or much later. Some children, when they experience puberty, suddenly find themselves unable to identify with their own body. Okay, you'll hear as Noah continues to talk, you'll hear him describe his experiences of gender dysphoria throughout the interview. I I really just think there's nothing more powerful than hearing about the lived experience of something like this that otherwise could just be a definition pulled from a book or a website or maybe given as a diagnosis or an explanation. Uh, It's good for us to hear Noah talk about it and describe it in ways that are really embodied and lived. I think people will want to hear about an experience like yours if if they haven't had an experience like yours, right? Like they'll they'll want to hear about it and expect it to be on like a timeline. Um, but I would imagine, and the way that I'm hearing you talk about it, is that it doesn't follow that that way, right? There's not like a step one, two, three, four. Yeah, and the typical thing that people hear in like documentaries and stuff is oh, I was like a one-year-old and I knew and I was telling my parents and I just like wasn't like that. People develop differently. Right. And, And so for you, like your story, the way that you experienced all of this has been more complicated than that. And, and that says a lot too, right? So this is what I want to, this is exactly what I think we need to talk about because we have a tendency, um, when we haven't ourselves experience ourselves experience something, or if we are having a hard time understanding someone who's different than us, um, we want to sort of simplify that or like reduce it. So I have never even thought about this until you said it, but you're right. Like the, the, the narrative we get a lot of the time when it comes to gender identity is, well, that person always knew like deep down, you always knew that you actually were a different gender. And, and, and that's probably not the case for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that actually has really affected like my life when I first kind of started to gain a vocabulary and understood like labels that worked that I could tell people my parents were very hesitant because they didn't like know that that wasn't the only experience you could have right yeah have you okay so I'm I'm just going to ask like some pretty personal questions and you can talk about it or you can say like let's not go there is that okay 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 um but I am I'm sort of, I'm wondering when you started to have this conversation, first of all, with yourself, right? Like you've explained it a little bit that like there was 
feelings of difference. There was a pressure that, that felt different. You were like wanting to do or, or be somebody else maybe. But when did you start to like, like start to, to recognize in yourself that this was something uh, that beyond, like you talked about, like, okay, I'm going to identify as a lesbian, right? What was, was there a moment? Was there an influence? What was that like for you? Um, I think when I started going through puberty, okay. um, that was a very key point. Okay. Um, I just did not at all like what was going on, which I know a lot of people just don't. That's just how it works for a lot of people. But my feelings in it were so deep. And yeah. I think at that point, I kind of realized and started thinking, like, I don't want the body parts that I have. I don't feel right. And I don't feel like they should be there. I think something got messed up when I was born. <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is like, this is so important. So there, there really was like, you can talk about this like powerful moment of like, oh, like this doesn't now I, now I know this doesn't feel right. Like the physical part. Have you talked, yeah. have you talked to other kids uh, that have been in similar situations? Um. Kind of. Yeah. Not really. Yeah. I'm looking into going into some groups, actually. Oh, good. Um, I was sort of in a group at one point, but, you know, COVID-19 made that go away. <laughs> right. Yeah. As if we needed one more complication, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering if this is, if that's a, a common experience for people. That um, you can try to make it something else it sounds like that's kind of what you were doing like this is this is this other thing this is about my sexuality right and then it got to a point physically where um it wasn't just about your sexuality yeah I've heard a lot of people say that they assume they're lesbians but it's actually been quite often for very different reasons okay. than me yeah um or maybe not completely but usually it, it's been like I liked pearls so you know I was a lesbian yeah. And then it actually turned out they were a straight guy. Right, right. Yeah. Um, which is so weird to explain. Um, but, you know, you have to explain it somehow. <laughs> right, right. Well, and you, I know that, that we had talked briefly about this before, that that you sort of, and you can totally correct me if I'm wrong on this, but but often you're sort of separating out like the sexuality and the, the gender piece, right? Especially when you're talking to people about it. Yeah. Um, so sexuality and gender are very separate, mm -hmm. um, from my life's understanding right. and my life. Yeah. Um, how do I say this? Oh no. <laughs> say, yeah. You can say anything. Um, I remember you. So when we talked before, I remember you saying something about, um, like, like people like you, part of your story and we gotta go there's so many pieces here you're right we're really gonna we're really gonna <laughs> like okay it's okay we might have to do this in two parts just so that we can like get to everything but um because I don't want to wear you out but but you have you had told me that um like when you were talking to kids at school about your gender expression you they would always ask you about like well who were you attracted to like who do you want to who do you want to date? Right. And you would be like, no, that's actually none of your business. And yeah. 
So can you talk a little bit about that? So if I kind of jump forward yeah. a bit, yeah. which I'll probably go back again and, you know, hop around. But, Perfect. Yeah. Um, so it was in sixth grade um, that I came out to my class. Um, basically just did my best to explain how I felt. And people were allowed to ask questions. I don't think anybody did, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, and people asked me questions later, though. And I would, that's one thing I definitely got asked. People would say, well, who do you like? Because like you're you're a girl, sort of. <laughs> right. So people would get confused, and a lot of really disturbing ish, honestly, questions came along with coming out. Yeah. People would ask me really personal stuff. They would ask me things like, "Well, what's like in your pants?" Basically, yeah. Uh, I've been on the bus before, and people would be like, "People just like had these weird concepts in their brain." These kids do, and they say like, "Well, like." is it real? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, what's that even mean? Yeah. What do they mean? What do they mean? What do they mean by that? Like, I don't know. People just like reference towards my genitals a lot right. and it's not yeah. nice. Right. No, I bet. Like I, I would imagine because we, this is something we've done like as a society too, is to connect the two things that like your gender and your sexuality are one and the same. And like you, if you present as like non-traditional then like it's fair game like you must then be open to talking about all of this stuff right your your very like private and personal experiences are like on the table for talk for discussion yeah so oh my god what do i say sorry <laughs> so so i do want to go back a little bit um so this let's just jump into your your school and coming out story because I think it's it's like a really good it it just goes it takes us both like into like your your history and like the the future pieces of this so you made the decision it was your call that you wanted to you call it coming out you wanted to come out yeah. to your classmates okay can you tell us about that a little bit what made you decide that so um Initially, what had been happening is I was talking to the school therapist that was there quite a bit, and um, we were very much like figuring out this journey together. Yeah. <laughs> um, like that was very much kind of happening, and eventually, I kind of just decided after doing a ton of research, like, okay, I'm transgender. I know I am. I know I'm a man, yeah. so, no, a boy. I don't. Know. <laughs> um, <laughs> Not quite a man, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just knew at that point, I had no doubt in my mind ever, like, I just didn't, um, and I tried to come out without telling my parents, actually, oh, wow. <laughs> because uh, it was terrifying to think, like, this might hurt them. Right. Um, so you thought about coming out, so you came, did you come out to other people before your parents, like, sort of officially? Um, I came out to a couple of my friends, mm -hmm. like one friend maybe, that also had been experiencing some gender identity, like questioning. Okay. Um, so that was helpful. We kind of both were wondering what was going on there. Okay. Um, oh, that is helpful to have somebody that, that relates a little bit to your experience. Yeah. And so I think that was probably the first person that I came out to. Okay. And then. Well, maybe not anything. It was a school therapist that I came out to first. 
Um, yeah. Can I ask about that a little bit? Um, yeah. Because we do have a lot of listeners that are in positions like that. Um, and you don't have to go into too much detail, but you were meeting pretty frequently with your, your therapist at school, like a school counselor and, and really sort of like telling her some of this, these like kind of intense pieces and she was helping you in that process. Yeah. Um, I think, and this isn't completely like related to exactly the process, but it is at the same time. But I think going into, you know, the counselor's office was very much a safe place for me. It was a place where I could be what I wanted to be. She let me, you know, be called what I wanted to be called when I was in that space. Um, and it kind of helped me play around with what I wanted to be named and the pronouns I wanted to use. And it was super helpful and it kind of helped me get away and actually focus in school more, which was already hard enough. That's another thing. Um, right. And it just helped me get away and have somebody that I could talk to that like took me for who I was yeah. at the time. Yeah. So to have that as sort of like this, this anchor and this safe space, I think we, we really need to pay attention to that because, um, who knows how long this would have gone on, what would have, what sort of the consequences might've been if you hadn't had that space. Yeah. And for anybody who is listening that happens to be in a position of being like a school therapist or something like that, mm -hmm. just it's super important for this to be a safe place for people that are questioning anything. Just, Maybe they won't go through with it, but if they can have a place to feel comfortable for like three minutes, just three minutes, like once a week or something, that will impact their life so much. I cannot explain how much having somebody just keep me safe, basically, at yeah. times yeah. or feel, keep me feeling safe Yeah, meant it changed my life. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to cry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, um, because I know... Ooh, I know um, what that's like to be um, a person who really, you know, really wants to offer that to kids and um, to know that it really is that important um, is it, it's a really good reminder. Um, so thank you for sharing that. That's a, a really uh, powerful piece of this, too. So um, so you're given this space. You had this this safe space and it was at school, which is like. Oh, that's huge. Right. Like yeah. we, uh, we talk about this on the podcast all the time that, um, for kids, like so much of your identity is connected to your experiences at school for better or worse. Um, and so you were given that space and you deserved that space and, and it changed a lot of things for you. Um, it's really beautiful. Okay. So let's keep going with that. So you started talking through things and you, um, we were talking about how, who you came out to, um, and how, and, and what that sort of timeline looked like. Yeah. So this part is probably going to be weird to navigate around because it includes like random teachers at the school. It's, no, it's um, so important though, because I, we need to, teachers need to know that they have an important role in this. So yeah. I want to hear it all. Yeah. Um, so there were a couple like student teachers, um, th their jobs weren't quite like teacher teachers, yeah. but you know, 
we'll get into like teachers that are actually <laughs> we'll get into that later. Okay. Um so they they worked with um and I don't want to give like too many details because I don't know if they'd want to be like out there in the world. Yeah. But they just worked with children that had like special needs and stuff like that, which okay. like, you know, that's already amazing. They're probably great. Right. Um they care enough to do that. Right. And so I, I just found myself like talking to them quite a bit. And we would have like lunch group kind of things with a couple of my friends, um, stuff like that. And eventually I kind of just like presented my ideas to them and that created another safe space. Yeah. If I ever was in a room with them or around them. And once again, that's extremely important. And that's another thing I'd like to talk about. Yeah. Or if like there's any like teachers oh my god I can't breathe I I, I can't breathe I'm just like I I forget to breathe sometimes (laughs) we're gonna breathe through it Noah we're gonna do it okay okay (laughs) something that I think is really important is if there are any like teachers here listening if a child talks to you and says that they like need a place where they can be called something that they want to be called even if it's like not around the other students, if it's just like when you're talking to them about their work or like, if it is around the students, just like, please take it. It it will be very helpful to them for what they're experiencing. And being able to have a space like that for me was very life-changing and helped me learn what I was dealing with quite a bit quicker than it could be and ended quite a bit of suffering. Well, didn't end it, but it didn't create as much suffering as it could. Yeah. Good. Um, you're, you keep talking about the safe space and, and then the word that was in my head as you were describing giving kids that safe space and having a, a grown up in that, that space that can be really scary, right? Like schools can be really scary and, and I hadn't thought of that word exactly, but you said suffering. And I think that that's, I mean, it's just exactly right. Obviously you're describing your experience, right? That like, because you were allowed a safe space and provided a safe space and you really genuinely felt that at school, some of that suffering was eased for you. And um, I can only imagine what like how, how prolonged that might have been if you hadn't been in those safe spaces. Yeah, definitely. Um, dealing with gender identity or just any identity kind of stuff that even if it's more simple than that Mm -hmm. is pretty hard to navigate and having an adult that just happens to be really nice and is willing to create this nice, okay, place for you to just exist and be you and is very important and it can help you kind of question and kind of play with different ideas I I do Um, want to ask you sorry go ahead oh no it's fine I was just like (laughs) (laughs) I do I want to ask you along those lines um when you say safe space do you can you describe that a little bit like what was what what is a safe space to you. Sorry, you cut out for a oh, second. Okay. Could you say yeah. that again? Yeah. So I'm just wondering what you keep, you talk about a safe space. I'm wondering uh, what a safe space 
felt like to you? What was what was happening in a, a safe space at school? Um, a safe place for me was, which it can vary from person to person, of course, but for me personally, it was a place where I had trust that I was, how do I explain this? <laughs> trust is a big part of it. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah, no, it's gotta um, be like, yes, absolutely. I say this all the time. Um, I do a lot of work with teachers and I teach teachers and I, I, I teach people who are going to go work with kids. And I'll, I say it over and over again that you cannot expect to be doing your best work if kids can't trust you. And, and you have to show that and you have to be consistent. And, and really, I mean, it comes down, you have to prove it. You have to prove to kids that, that they can trust you. Yeah, definitely. Um, that's a fear that I had that I learned to not have to have. Yeah. <laughs> How do I say this? Yeah. Um, because the teachers I was around were very trustworthy and for the counselor and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, a fear I had was if they brought it up to my parents without me knowing, but they just didn't, they were, they just, they're good people. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Um, and, and I think, um, yeah. Keep going with your story because I'm going to, I have some pieces I want to add to that, but, but you keep, you keep telling your part of this, please. So, yeah. Um, where were we? Where were we at? Okay. So, um, so you came out in some different ways, some to the counselor, you, and I like how you're describing this as like it again, like this is such an important part of this. Okay. So it's not like you just said one day, okay, I, I know now that I'm transgender and I know exactly how to handle that. I know what to call myself. I know how to identify. I know how to talk to people about it. It doesn't sound like that's how that went for you. You're talking about like you needed to play around with some things. You needed to be able to say them out loud to someone and, and your school gave you that space to do it. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the counselor's office, um, being able to hear a name and have it be attributed to me was super helpful. And it just helped me understand like what my life could be like. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. That's an amazing part of this that like, that I think people don't talk about and it's taken for granted. You chose a name that you identified with. Yeah. Which is a crazy experience. Yeah. Right. And you changed it and then you had to practice it. Yeah. Um, and plus you like have to think about going through names that sound right. Right. It's very weird. You just choose what you're going to be for the rest of your life. Yeah. No, no big deal. Yeah. It's, it's a little intense. Yes. You're yeah, I def- go ahead. Did you feel the pressure of that? Yeah. I definitely played around with some pretty weird names, like not weird, but unique. Um, and then some pretty normal names, which I went with Noah. That's pretty, uh, normal, but I don't know. It's fine. (laughs) It's one of my favorite names. Um, yeah, I like it so much. So I do want to know if you don't mind me asking, like you, you went through like the process of like, okay, I'm going to try this name. I'm thinking about this one. And how did you know it was Noah? Like, what did it, what did it feel like for you? I think, like one of the names I went through yeah. was actually Pax. Oh, I like <laughs> um, that. Okay. Um, 
and my mom didn't like it because it reminded her of a dog um <laughs> and paxel <laughs> oh okay yeah so yeah um but that didn't work but i how i thought of that and went through it was you know being called that by somebody which meant a lot and then i would just think about like later in life having that name mm-hmm. and situations i'd be in and i just thought about like stuff like that i don't know it's kind of weird it was very obsessive but it helped well, yeah it sounds like a like I keep saying process, it's annoying. It's a, it's it's gonna get as annoying as if I were saying journey the whole time. Um, but it is a process because like you already know this. I mean, obviously, I don't need to tell you, but I'm hearing your your story and thinking like, wow, the amount of work that you're putting into your like development of your identity, right? Like you're putting in a whole lot of energy and work in really important ways, but like, how were you doing anything else? Like, to me, that sounds like you're giving so much to that and you're still going to school and you're still being a kid and you're still in a family. Like, was, were you, were those things impacted? Yeah, um, definitely. So I, what am I saying? Sorry. My mom walked in for a brief second. (laughs) So I got kind of, yeah. So. Yeah, um, I think I was definitely impacted when it comes to school and just like, as you said, kind of being a kid just generally. Yeah. Um, sometimes it was hard to just, you know, exist and play and be with the kids. Right. <laughs> um, and it was not the same as just being any other kid that does not have that kind of thought going through their head all the time. And when it came to being in school and just sitting down, it was very hard. Like I would never raise my hand because um, I didn't want to hear my name and I didn't want to hear anybody say like, oh, she said that she's correct. She, she, she. Okay. Her. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Hearing my name, like made my whole body and all my innards feel like they were dropping and it was terrible. Wow. Okay. So that really is this like embodied part of of your experience is that you could physically feel it when you were being misgendered and not called a name that you identified with yeah um it was I feel my emotions really physically anyway um that's just how I am so I think that's pretty much highlighted how I feel about um feeling like I need to be a dude. Right. <laughs> right. Know. I'm starting to get weird. Okay. We're fine. We're no, fine. We can get, we can get weird. It's okay. This is what, like, that's, that's why we're here. Um, so yeah, no, I, 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 I'm curious to know when, when that started, like that physical discomfort, not just, not about like, you know, like puberty, but like the physical discomfort and disconnect between you being called she, um, do you know when, like, can you kind of start to think about when that started happening for you? I think, I mean, I do think puberty definitely heightened it. Mm -hmm. I think it was subtle yeah, and it was definitely there beforehand. Um, most of all my experiences when it comes to like the subtle stuff are all in elementary school. And sometimes it would just like felt weird. That's just how it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but puberty definitely 
like going through that definitely heightened it to an extreme point as you're watching yourself change to be something that is totally incorrect. It's terrifying, honestly. And it's, it makes you think of the future and it makes you kind of feel like your life has been ruined. It's not nice to think about, but that's how it felt. So I'm lucky enough to not really have like a huge experience with somebody like physically attacking me or anything. I'm not sure how that'll go in my future. I'm pretty young still. Um, so, you know, I don't have that much experience in this whole thing, but, um, I'm very lucky to not have had that kind of experience. I've just had people pretty much refuse to call me the name that I prefer. And I've had people not want to call me the pronouns that I prefer. And that's terrible in itself. It like, it feels like a physical attack. And I've just had people ask me questions that you should never ask somebody about, you know, quote unquote, what's in my pants. Um, And people will ask you questions that are very personal. They'll ask you things about like very adult kind of stuff. Um, And you're, you're not an adult. You're 13. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's not okay. Right. Like that's, uh, your like your decision to communicate with people is is your decision and like I, I think we really need for um the grown-ups here to understand that and the kids that like there still are very many things that are none of their business about you and about your story and also um there are things that uh like you you're not even thinking about yet so Right? Like, you're, yeah. you're a kid. Yeah. Um, I think people like to believe that, like, somebody coming out to you is transgender, even if they, like, are consciously or subconsciously believing it. Um, kind of gives you a pass to think you can ask whatever you want or whatever. Like, it's totally okay to be curious about things. Humans yeah. are just like that. We think about stuff. That's what we do we can't control what we think about really we're not supposed to um but going the extra step and asking a child even if you're a child about very personal things that you would not ask anybody else under like most circumstances unless it's like medical yeah yeah (laughs) just don't do that yeah just don't do it yeah i I think this is a really important point and like uh, we have so many things still to talk about but um since we're here, let's, let's go there really quick. So, um, things that are not okay to do. So if you are, you know, this is like with anything, um, you coming out as transgender is like, that was your decision. Um, and you still have control and power over that. So you don't owe anything to anyone because you've made that decision uh, do you have like boundaries put in place? Is that, has that been part of this for you? Yeah, I've had to, um, basically tell quite a few people that they cannot make weird references toward what's going on with mm-hmm. my body. Right. Um, I think it's kind of hard to explain the boundary here cause some of it is just medical. Right. And yeah, it yeah. just depends on the situation. And sometimes it actually depends on the person 
Yeah. Um, I'm pretty open to like talking about medically because I'm pretty informed about like medical stuff there. Um, when it comes to like medical transitioning. Right. Um, yeah. I'm very open to talking about like the differences and those things. Some people just aren't and they don't have to be. It's not fair. Like they don't need to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's not your responsibility. So that's the thing too. I think that, that people sort of take on this, like, you know, well, you're the one experiencing it. So you have to tell me about it. Like it's your job to know everything about it and to tell me about being transgender. And the reality is it is not your job and it's not your responsibility. And you get to choose who you do that with. And, and if you do that at all, um, one of the things I keep thinking about is like, you are a kid and you're taking on these like kind of big responsibilities just in like acknowledging your identity and in wanting to communicate that and express that in an open way. Can you tell me a little bit, I want to go back to your, um, your school experience. So can you tell me a little bit about when you decided that you were going to come out sort of like in a bigger way at your school because we didn't get into like the story of that yet so can we talk a little bit about that so yeah um I think really like the best way I can describe what happened was every day I was sitting in my classroom I was being called this name that made me pretty much physically nauseous and I was being called things that made me very uncomfortable you know, you'd have people say this, like, oh, you're, you're, wait, what am I saying? <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Um, you'd have people saying phrases that just made you very uncomfortable or made me uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Like what? Um, do you, do you have an example? It's kind of weird because they aren't phrases that like come up all the time, mm-hmm. but like just a lot of them were like sexist things, but they didn't help stuff like just referring to the fact that you're a girl and like saying things about you because of it. Okay. Right. Um, pretty like common, like gender stuff. Yeah. And then like going to PE class and we'd like have running Mm -hmm. stuff. I don't remember what it was called. It was like the pacer test. Mm -hmm. Um, and they'd group you by girls and boys. And I actually think I changed that. Maybe I didn't. I think like the whole education system is changing that, but I think I kind of like, made the teacher feel weird when I came out. <laughs> um, yeah, good. I'm glad that you did that. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I actually changed that or not, but if I did, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I think you've changed a lot of things. So part of what I know about your, your school experience, I, I have like been, I've done a lot of work in your, the school that you were at, um, in this time. And, uh, I can tell you with certainty that you, you made a lot of impact and you made a lot of change there. That's amazing. Yeah, it is. I know. Um, can you, okay. So, so those like day-to-day things, right. That like people take for granted, they were calling you by your birth name. Um, and you hadn't told anybody yet that you were not wanting to use that name. Yeah. And of course it's not their fault or anything. It's just like what I was dealing with internally. Yeah. absolutely. And just constantly my stomach dropping when I would hear that. And then I started trying to basically not participate in school and to leave the classroom as much as possible just to avoid that. Um, which 
resulted in me going to the school counselor's office a ton, which mm-hmm. I, I needed at the time. I'm not guilty. Like I needed it. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. And I just kind of hit this breaking point and I needed to do something, which resulted in me having to come out to my parents too. Mm-hmm. Um, before I came out to the school, cause it was just like probably the better decision. Um, not for everybody. It's not, but for me, that was probably what would work better. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So then I had to come out to my parents right? and that was terrifying. I getting letters a lot. And it's just like the typical thing, uh-huh. but, um, I did that too. Okay. Um, because I wasn't comfortable, like putting my thoughts into words, not in, like verbal words. Right. right. <laughs> um, yeah. So you would write it down. Yeah. So yeah. And I just like went through draft through draft on what I was going to say. Okay. Wow. And eventually I just sat down with them. I showed it to my mom first and then I showed it to my dad. So you actually physically handed them a letter. Yeah. A lot of people, um, from what I've heard, like to like, leave it there when they're gone, like at a friend's house or something, just so they feel safer. But I don't know. I didn't think to do that. (laughs) Right. So you, did you sit, can we go back to that moment? So did you sit there with them while they read it? Um, yeah, so I sat there with my mom, basically, and she read that, and I just kind of, it was, I was just shaking, (laughs) um, and it was kind of a weird experience. She kind of just looked at me after she read it. It wasn't, like, a bad response, but it was kind of like, well, what do we do now? Like, that's kind of, like, the energy I got. (laughs) Um, So now what? Yeah. Yeah, and so I didn't really want to talk to my dad about it because... I don't know. I'm not even sure why. I was just terrified, too. I wasn't sure how he'd feel about it. I don't think I really knew much about how he felt on this subject. So my mom went with me to his house, and we. I don't know if he read the letter or not or if I actually talked to him, but I think I actually talked to him. I don't know. My memory kind of sucks sometimes. Well, yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, big moments like that, they're kind of like, do you have that thing where you're like... I. Uh, something will happen like that and I'll be like later I'll be like I think I blacked out like I don't even know what just happened well yeah I was like panicking it was hard to think of course yeah so your memory of it is who knows yeah it could be yeah totally get that um and so wait so I'm wondering then you so there had never been any kind of conversation about gender identity before this in your house yeah, which is pretty crazy. The closest thing I had to that was, like, telling my mom, like, I just constantly would be telling my mom, like, you don't know this about me. You don't know something about me. I was a weird kid. Like, that was probably really manipulative, like, secretly. But whatever, I didn't mean to. I was, like, a third grader. No, you were No, you were coping. Like, you were. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you were finding, like, whatever tools you could. You weren't clear on, on any of it yet either, so. Yeah, so as a young kid, I would just always be saying, like, I don't, I don't know, I can't tell you this, I can't tell you that. Okay. And, like, really early on in life, as I said earlier on, um, I said, I I remember sitting in the car and telling my mom I wish I was a boy, but that was about it. So I think it was pretty much a shock to them. I don't think they even really expected it, like, at all. Okay. I think they might have thought I was a lesbian, because, like, I was hinting towards that at one point. Right. But there was definitely, I mean, you were, there were clues. You were giving, 
small pieces of like, something isn't right. Uh, I have a secret. I think that's, I've heard that a lot. I think that's pretty common for kids to not know. I mean, you don't even know exactly what it is, but you know that there's something that they wouldn't understand. And yeah. Yeah. And I think as grownups, that's an important thing for us to, to pay attention to here too, is that those moments of those clues of those those pieces and insights that kids give us are, are things for us to pay attention to and open up space around because, you know, that, that is the way that kids communicate. So, um, yeah, I think that's a really important part of this. And I think one misconception, a lot of people that kind of are very hesitant on this subject about think, feel like they, I think a lot of people Feel like if I do this, it's going to influence my child and they're going to turn transgender when like, it's just not like that um, at all. Right. Just if you let your kids have a safe space to be open and to do what they feel comfortable with, they aren't even going to necessarily stay that way forever. They just are questioning what they want to do with their life. At some points, maybe they're just like playing around. They're fine. Like you don't, there's no reason to be so scared in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, your opinion is, is more than just an opinion. You're exactly right. Um, in your own experience and in just like childhood in general, right? Like it, the more that we allow and open up that space for kids, the more, like you've said a million times that the safer they will feel, uh, the more opportunity they will have to really know themselves. And, and I think like all of us grownups can agree, like we want kids to know themselves. Like that's, that's a life skill. And we take it for granted. And like, you know, it's, it's something that one way or the other kids are going to have to know themselves and understand themselves at some point, we should be creating those spaces really early on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I 100% believe that. Yeah. Um, yeah, me too. I just, there's no reason not to really like, <laughs> the idea that this is going to make my child turn into something they're not or whatever is just not correct. If you let them feel out what they want to be, they're just going to learn how they actually feel. Like nothing is going to influence them if you just give them what they need. Absolutely. I love that. Nothing's going to influence them if you give them what they need and what they need is to feel safe. Um, And then I'm thinking about like, you're, you're describing this like, like this sort of culture of fear and control when it comes to kids, right? Like grownups feel like, like they need to be in control of what happens for their kids or who they are. And this sense of fear of like being, and I'm, I'm going to do air quotes here that like nobody that's listening can see, but I do these all the time. Uh, but like, like not being normal, right? Like what is the fear here? of like, if your kid is different than some like really super normal expectation that you had of them, what is, what is the real problem with that? Yeah, definitely. There's a huge culture when it comes to parenting that I've seen in my family a ton. That's just, you've got to raise your kids to be the perfect like suburban family, you know, like the perfect, you got your two, your daughter and your son. And they're like, perfect. It's just weird. I don't know. I hate it. Yeah. And it's not realistic. 
And it doesn't even mean anything. That's the thing. Like, what is normal? It doesn't mean anything. Um, and, and like, I, I don't know. There's just so much value in things that are interesting and different. And, like, that's where the really valuable, like, meaningful stuff happens. And so pushing kids into this, like, this very narrow idea of what normal means or looks like uh, like you've already described, it creates suffering. It just does. And so, and I think that's, you know, that should be the priority for parents, for teachers is to like reduce the amount of suffering that kids are experiencing and feeling. 100%. Yeah. Um, I don't know why parents or not all of the parents, of course, Obviously, but yeah. a lot of parents like that even how do I even phrase this? Oh no. Um, a but, lot of parents that I've come in contact with that are like my friend's parents seem to have this very weird priority of how their child grows up. Mm -hmm. And even when it comes to like sheltering your children, I think that kind of goes into that. Yeah. It's just like, we try to hide our children from anything that could make them unique in themselves really. Right. Yeah. And I think I've had, I've had parents say to me before, um, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus here, but I will say like, I, I know some parents who have said to my face that what they want, their priority is for their kids to be as normal as possible. And I just can't even wrap my mind around what, what that looks like and why, like what, why would you, to me, like, normal is like average, right? Or like, I mean, that is what normal is. It's like a statistical average. And uh, like, no kids are average. Kids are uh, um, amazing and unique and, and we all are. And so to like constantly be like focused on, on creating a normal child, I, I just think there's so much damage and like repression that's happening in those kinds of cases. Yeah, definitely. I just, I don't, I can't imagine thinking like that, honestly. I can't either. Um, I know I can't either. But there are people who do. We know that. And I think they're, they're operating out of fear of like the unknown or what they might not understand. Most of us can't imagine. Um, so I just, I, I do want to like just pause for a minute and make sure that you know that like the way you're describing this and the fact that you're like open to like telling us about it is so valuable. Um, so I just, I want to like, now I'm getting weird, but like, I just want to make sure you know how valuable it is and how much we appreciate you opening up to do this because like the, the best way, right? Like the, like I said at the beginning, like the way that we gain understanding is by hearing each other's stories. Um, and so the fact that you're opening up to this, I just appreciate it so much. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm really glad to be able to put my voice out there and to be able to help anybody that may not completely understand or is even reluctant to agree with this kind of stuff. reluctant to agree with this kind of stuff. And the stuff Noah is talking about is who he is, who he is in the world, 
This is not a matter of agreeing or not. This is the lived experience, the life of a young person who is thoughtful and kind and generous and so smart and talented, and also worried and scared for his own emotional and physical well-being just because of who he is and how he might be perceived. And still, he is extending his patience with all of us by being here to help us understand what it's like to live as transgender. He's expending his energy to guide his classmates and his teachers and his family through how to show up for him. Once when I was visiting Noah at school, he told me that his teacher had just accidentally misgendered him right before I got there. Noah's response to his teacher was, it's okay, I know you're not trying to hurt me. I know you're still practicing. Noah's model of kindness and patience is just one of the many reminders he's left for us today. And Noah will be back. We have a part two coming up because there's just so much for us to talk about, including what it's like for him to be in middle school. Spoiler alert, not easy. Noah will also be co-hosting some upcoming episodes with me, along with many of our other previous guests, so you'll be hearing from them all again very soon. Because this is a space where we learn together and share our reminders with each other and with you all. Thanks for being here. As always, thanks to Mark Ward, markwardmusic.com for providing us with original music for the pod and to Johnny Lupinacci for sound editing. Find us on Instagram and by us, I mean me, at Mary Ward Lupinacci. I'm a decent follow. We're into things like, you know, kids and mindfulness and justice and equity and youth activism and education, whatever, all of that. All right. Thanks for being here. See you next time.